0: I want to tell you, just off the bat, Hmm. I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of life, man. I'm afraid of a lot of things. When I think about it, there's actually a whole lot of fear in being alive, at least. I want to say obviously just for me, but I feel like I detect it in all humans all the time. Um, and it's not just apprehension, although that's part of it like when you meet a stranger or or even when you meet you know, it's funny you feel apprehension even when you see like a an old
1: friend or a oh yeah, for sure I you know? like, <clears throat> if I've interacted with someone in a while and it's unfamiliar at this point, even if we were once close friends, there's that like there's that point where it's like, oh, how do I interact with you again like and it's like I don't I forgot what mask I was wearing <laughs> almost yeah, that is true it's like um.
0: Like with me, I I resurrect the persona I last established with that person. Let's say, and it's often inaccurate, <laughs> or at least in, um, what's a proper word um, not inaccurate but just like um, disingenuous not proper. Yeah, well because it's no longer who you were. Well, I wouldn't call it disingenuous because it's not intentional. I I mean I'm not intentionally okay. trying to be false, but it's not proper anymore for the situation. Right? It's like um you know you see a friend you haven't seen in like five to ten years and, and they've changed right? right and it's funny at first when I when I apply that old persona that I used to have with them and I notice that they're different I feel at first like um like I haven't changed even right. though I have yeah you get that you know yeah, what, what I, I know mean? What you mean and that and then that so that's like a weird kind of small fear too is like oh you know is my friend gone is the, is our bond gone you know and that, that goes for family members as well yeah and I, I don't know. I, it, it usually the case. It usually it's the case that there that there isn't. There's still a friendship there or something. Yeah. To call a friendship, you know, but you really do. I feel like you do need to be close. This is morphing into like relationships. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. I feel like you do need to be close or near people to really
1: keep a relationship strong. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, there's like a, a minimal hours that you have to spend with someone to. Create different levels of friendship. What do you mean, minimal hours? Like somebody measured this and oh, decided? I don't remember what they are, but yeah, I've seen a couple of videos on it before where it's like they've like talked, they've done studies on um, <clears throat> how often you must have uh, interactions and also how much of a quality that interaction has to be so either you can have a bunch of like small qual- quality interactions or you could have fewer um high quality in- interactions and that by quality it means um the level of interaction so like texting right like that's a low quality mm. interaction um but i mean if you text like all day every day You're going to build a bond because eventually something uh, personal about you is going to come out. And that's how you create bonds and how you trust and things like that. You know, that's interesting because it makes me think of like the Internet in the early days.
0: And I made, you know, friends online through chat rooms or through, you know, video game and sometimes video game chat rooms. And uh, I can think of uh, one or two of them that I actually got to meet. But it wasn't until like like a decade later. So you know, I've been gaming or talking with the, you know with these guys, and you know we we feel like friends. But it's funny because in my head I have an image of what they look like, <laughs> and that was strange to me, especially with the um, the one guy Lawrence. Um, he passed away, but he was a much older man. I, I didn't realize it because like he was. I was when I first started gaming online. I think I was you know my late teens or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, and so we became fast friends and we gained for years. And then I never, I, you know, we never asked each other, like, hey, send a picture so I can see what you look like or talk on the phone. I mean, we talked sometimes on, like, back then it was TeamSpeak, right? Mm-hmm. Or Roger Wilco it was called. And, um, but other than that, he, he never sounded old or anything like that. So when I finally got to meet the guy, we like, we, we met up for, you know, like a smoke and a drink. And the dude's in his 70s. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was just like, wow. I, I you know, I, I never imagined. It's funny. And it was funny to me that, it, I never asked. I was, you know, like deep down, I think it was curious, but I never actually like came out. But ever since then, now I'm curious about
1: people I meet online. Like, you know, I've got to know like more details about them. Do you feel like that's a, oh, so you feel like you, now that you, um, you've had that experience, you, you, you ask for more details. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just net It comes out naturally now. It's like, oh, you know, you start talking because now
0: back then chat was actually text chat that's what made me think of it right so like most of our conversations were through text so when that when you do that if you've never spoken to the person or seen them your brain just has to for sanity's sake yeah you know create some kind it creates persona. it draws someone for you yeah so i thought you know i don't know that was just an
1: instant interesting, interesting observation i thought yeah no i was gonna say i, I wonder if it's like a, a male female thing because like i feel like Whenever I find out, say like uh, one of my friends had like a baby or something, and my mom's all always oh, she always asks me like well, what's the height and weight? What's the when was it born? What's the time? All this other like yeah. like small details stuff. I'm like, I don't know, man. i like it's a it's a happy boy, you know? <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's alive. It's alive and it's a boy. That's all that's <laughs> it's the most I needed. <laughs> it's it's screaming, so it wants life. I don't remember <laughs> the name. But you know yeah. that's okay. <laughs> at,
0: what, at what point do you, does a does a child's name matter to you?
1: You know what I mean. Like, what at what point does a person's name matter to you? Yeah, that's, it that's takes a better a long, question. Yeah. It takes a long time for me to actually remember someone's name. I hate that. I I really do
0: bristle at that because I've I feel like I've ruined possible relationships with certain you know with people over the years because I was just terrible at remembering their name. You know, and it just I
1: don't know I don't get that. Yeah, especially if you only see them like once every like or like twice a month or something like that if it's like like kind of like sparse it's like Oh um, yeah, you're. Uh, oh, I don't know your name. <laughs> it's like uh, now you feel weird. About that's asking forgivable. The name. Like if,
0: if like actual time passes like a month. That's I, I'm talking about people I would see like every week, like once a week, and I would forget. I would just totally forget their name. And it's naturally chauvinistic. Like it's it's much worse with women oh, really? than it is with men. Yeah. <laughs> really, I don't, I don't choose that. It just that's happens so weird because
1: I'm the opposite. I'm like I would I I learn female names quicker than I learn male names, mostly because I'm usually you know interested in the girl oh they're gonna say because most of them are around women <laughs> well that's, but they're around me <laughs> <laughs> that's also true there's yeah. there's more women in in my surroundings than than men at this point but it's all right you know it's just a thing it's neither good nor bad but you do you notice that
0: like I uh, even just over what we've been talking about so far there's like little fears behind the scenes and everything that we do you know we sort of just always live in like a like a a manageable amount of fear I guess you could call it stress but part, it, there's
1: stress is more of like the soup of what you know of, of yeah, but, and fear is like an ingredient yeah but I feel like that's how you know you're doing something right if you have a little bit of fear cuz that means you have something to lose so if you have something to lose you're, yeah. you're risking it for a purpose that's true you can't have dignity without fear if you,
0: if you don't fear anything where's your dignity or where's your honor for that matter yeah you know I think that's you know you often hear the uh, it said um, that psychopaths for example have no emotions i don't really think that's totally true i think because not that i've dealt with a lot of psychopaths i'm sure there's plenty that don't have emotions but like when i watched the ice man tapes right like that professional like mobster that was Mm. a you know a killer a hitman um he got very emotional quite often i mean mostly it was anger but i mean that's a strong emotion so you can't tell me that he's a psychopath and he has no emotions and yet all he's displaying half the time, or more than half the time, is anger, right? So really I think what he what he to me when I was watching his interviews was that he lacked honor. He had no honor. He didn't respect um the existence of others,
1: let's put it that way. You don't know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know. I mean if you have anger, that just means everyone has most people I mean I'm sure like you said, there are a few that have zero emotion. But I feel like most people have emotions even in those extreme cases they just process them differently and they have them in different ways and they express them differently than we do so we just kind of like assume oh you have no emotions because you don't you don't show your emotions the same way i show them so it's like i don't know it's not nobody we not really a double standard but it's you know no but again yeah, there's a disconnect there it can be and there's and there's also uh, like coping
0: mechanisms right and um, there was an interesting podcast I, I love uh, Theo Vaughn's podcast so shout out to Theo Vaughn he he'll never hear this but um, <laughs> he, uh, he did an excellent interview recently with a, a police officer or a retired police officer and I thought that was that was a fresh uh, you know like a breath of fresh air because you know usually it's celebrities or you know, you know jokers and stuff like that uh, and the guy was really good he was really charming he was very you know like most cops I can't think of Like, well, I I can, not but most cops I've met in my life, whether I've known them or just met them, you know, if I've been pulled over or whatever, Mm -hmm. you could just tell they could carry a conversation. They could, they could, because they're storytellers, right? They see so much. How do you not be a storyteller when you see as much as a police officer? Yeah. But I just, it was interesting to me when, when this officer was telling some of his stories, some of them were so horrific and it was really making me cringe sometimes, but they were you know, Theo asked a really good question, he's like, you know, how do you handle that moment when you're in it? What do you do? Like, how do you cope with it? And he's like, and the, and the officer said something brilliant. He's like, the hardest thing for me and the other officer in this situation was not to laugh, even though like what was going on was terrible. It was just so crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, they had, what he had to deal with, that he was holding back laughter. It's almost, it made me think of, like, the Joker. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's really just a coping mechanism for what you have to do with. And I, I related to that because I feel like I do that. Like, I, I laugh at, like, a lot of horrible things. You know, I laugh at very
1: inappropriate times. Yeah. <laughs> Even <clears throat> a lot in media, too. Um, we were at like a, a ren fair right mm. and there was this uh there's a scene in the, in the in their fights that they do and this like little girl gets her head bashed into like this uh uh the rail for the joust rail oh my god <laughs> but it's like fake right no, right it, yeah. it's staged yeah yeah and and she's like when i say little she's like i don't know maybe like young teens like 13 something like that right mm. and the knight takes her head and just bashes it i just start die laughing like that is ridiculous <laughs> like that is so silly i can't believe this grown-ass man <laughs> threw this child into a rail and then <laughs> so you like, laugh. and i, and I, and I i know i was like i was cracking up and then like everyone else around me is just like it's like in awe oh man is that oh you know like that's bad and i'm just like laughing i'm like that's
0: so funny i can
1: totally relate and and i got in trouble once for that that
0: that level of dark humor i was in um i think it was like seventh grade i was in you know like an english class right and um we were watching. We read the book of Mice and Men, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. It's I love. I've read you know the classics, what so called classics or whatever for like school and stuff. And some of them I enjoyed, but I I couldn't stand of Mice and Men. The, the whole time we're reading this, I'm like you know this this person you know let you know Lenny should be in jail. I don't care that he's mentally disabled. Like he's a menace to society, right? Or he would be even worse if you know if it wasn't for his friend who I forget. Uh, and then. <laughs> To my enjoyment, we had to watch the movie, you know that, and it was a well acted, well done movie. We had to watch the movie about the book afterwards, and at the end, so spoiler alert: at the end, Lenny dies. Right, his friend shoots him in the back of the head because he's running from the law now because he's accidentally killed a woman because she was screaming, and he's a giant retard and he strangled her. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, so his friend puts him out of his misery because he just knows there's no hope. He's not going to survive in jail. Whatever. It'll just it'll just destroy him. Whatever. But when I read the book that scene was actually pretty sad in my mind cuz I I wrote it differently right I directed it differently but when I watched right. the movie it just something about how the that the, that scene was carried out I just burst into laughter and in the in I and that was in the middle of a dead silent classroom of of kids that were, like, half to tears, and some <laughs> were, right? And I just, you know, I just, ah! like, I just burst out laughing. And I got the dirt, man, I got the dirtiest looks from, like, the other kids in the classroom. Like, they just wanted to kill, they wanted me dead. I could just see it in their eyes. Like, they were so mad at me for being that insensitive. And the teacher was, too, so she sent me to the principal's office. And I got detention for laughing at the at the conclusion to, of man, my sin. how did your parents... React to that when I don't think t- I've t- ever told them that I got no? in detention all the time So they're just Uh-oh. like oh, Well whatever you did You deserved it You know <laughs> Because I drove them nuts so, And you know and My parents Both my mother and my father My father worked 16 hours a day yeah. My mother worked You know 12, 14, 16 hours a day And that's like With commuting and everything So we You know We saw them on You know Here and there It's like the nightingale You know In the, in the night
1: we, yeah. we met as we passed You know So That's so silly though Because different people process emotions you know in different ways and I'm, if someone laughs that why why are you going to punish some, someone for laughing like that's such a weird well that was such a like a like a, what would you call that uh a, a, like a
0: meme and and by meme I mean like a meme in the truer sense of the word not like what we call memes today which mm. is really just uh situational comedy um that kind of bothers me as a word nazi but anyway but it was the meme was that I didn't I didn't conform to the group's decision of what uh the structure should be because the word meme is really more of a scientific term right it comes from like the structure in lattices of like genes and things like that at least that's where i've seen it used most originally and that's what happened in that situation i was the i was the rogue you know cell the, the the rogue electron that didn't want to get along with the other neutrons you know and I got punished for it. But that's, that's technically what happens on the biological level. So,
1: you know, that society is a giant lattice, I guess, of genes. Yeah, I guess. But still, that's still ridiculous. There's no reason to punish a, ch- a kid for laughing at a movie, even if it is inappropriate. If anything, take that kid aside and talk to them. Hey, why'd you laugh? Well, let, help me understand your like what's going on with you. Do I need to help this kid? Maybe this kid's like mentally disturbed at this point. You know, like, maybe they need real help. You know? Well, I re- I
0: do remember the, uh, so, you know, this was not high enough on the criminal scale for the principal, so I got the assistant principal, right, <laughs> whose job I would never want, because that was scale. usually, the assistant principal is usually the one, you know, in my growing up years of school, was, they're the one that to deal with all the bullshit from the kids, because the principal's like, here, it's yours. God, I would never want that job. But he asked me he's like why did you laugh he's like well what he's like I don't get it he's like you just laughed I'm like yeah that's all I did was laugh I was still laughing when he asked me he's like why was it so funny I'm like I don't know (laughs) and I wasn't like traumatizing you know what I mean but it was just an example of what we what you were talking about but I remember him just shaking shaking his head and like writing up the thing like the note to take back to my teacher and and he was just like this. The expression I got from him was like, "This is such a waste of my time." Like, why yeah. is this kid here? <laughs> and I was like, "I feel the same way." Who you hurt? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, it still makes me. You know what? I and I take that back. I don't think it was seventh grade. It was actually freshman year of high school. Yeah, because there was no detention in seventh grade. I was I mixed up my my mm. memory there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was freshman year in high school. And I remember my friend Nathan was sitting next to me. And he was the only one laughing. He was laughing at me. Yeah. He, and he was trying to hold it back. And he's just like, you're stupid. And he's just like, you know, fighting to laugh. But he was, he was laughing at me that I was laughing. He, right. Because he just knew, he knew me, you know. But uh, anyway, um, no, yeah, it, we, I feel like we've talked about different types of fears in life before, but fears a really interesting subject to me because it's, it's like an alarm right it's like this thing inside you and you i feel as men i'm sure women do too but maybe they look at it a little differently but as men why why does our perception of it sort of start as like this idea that it's
1: a weakness that we carry with us like to have fear of anything is a weakness well i think it's it's seen as a weakness because when fear is talked about it's also talked about holding you back as well and stopping Mm -hmm. you from doing what you need to do to save someone to save yourself to say you know to save your family yeah to do anything you they always talk about being paralyzed by fear right so i think that's where it comes from in that that idea of it being weak but i don't think fear itself is weak because i mean it's really all it is is sending in adrenaline so you can do whatever you need to do i mean that's that's the purpose right so what i think the the the, what's bad about fear is if you let it stop you from doing something that's when it's a problem you should never let fear stop you from doing what you need to do or want to do even right what if fear is telling you to run or um
0: you know to to back off and not do something that you want to do or you feel like you should not, and maybe not naturally should But just like, you know, pressure from peers Or things like that Well, I think that's why we
1: have a rational brain As well as an emotional brain, right? So you can, you can have those initial reactions And, oh my god, that was startling I don't want to do this But you can also rationally think Well, I need to go do that Regardless of the danger I still need to go into this situation And, uh, you know, get done what needs to get done and I think you need to 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 critically think about the situation and then make a decision as well. And then just, you know, help control your breathing, lower your heart rate and stuff until you make your decision. If you have time, you know, there's a lot of things that are split second, like your fight and flight response. Right. Well, what has more power in,
0: in your life, your emotional response or your rational response?
1: Power in what way? Like for decision making. Like, who's in charge? Yeah. Oh, my Irrational, rational Your rational's more in charge. Oh, yeah. And I think that's true. That's what I hear is true for most men and opposite for most women. I mean, that's just... I'm not sure if that's accurate. I would say... But, but I, I f- mean, I want to say yes to that. I, I feel, feel like, they, like it's accurate. I feel like women just take their emotions into account more than most man, men do.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because I find that the rational Marco is in charge of when I have responsibilities, like always he's in charge, so like, you know, if I'm at a job or something, um, I, I never, I never have to worry. I don't even think about it. It's just naturally that way. I don't have to worry about my emotions for like 99% of the time, let's say affecting what I'm doing. Right. It doesn't matter if you're an asshole or if you're kind to me, if you're a fuck up or you're, you know, you're a perfectionist, you know, the, dealing with other people's emotional responses. I still have my rational brain, but when I'm left alone when it's me in my own life, then I'm controlled by my emotion. And I find that very strange. It's like, why can't I treat... Why can't I treat myself as an enterprise? Why am I so emotional when it comes to making decisions about just my personal endeavors in life? Uh, you know, or affect the... You know, my affectations or my dreams and things like that. You know, is it because there's no... Because I'm a weak authority on myself? I often wonder if I am.
1: Hmm. So I don't, I don't know, because I don't, I don't, I don't feel the same way with, with my decision-making skills. Like when, when I make, when I make a decision, it's like emotions are almost like discounted entirely. Even when you make like a personal decision?
0: Like what? Well, I mean, uh, you know, the like, decision only you can make for yourself. Like anything in life, like, uh, are you going to date this girl? Okay. Are you, you going to get this job? Are you going to
1: pursue this
0: business? You know, start your own business. Are you going to pursue this or that or what have you?
1: I, I really do try and take emotions out of it most of the time mm-hmm. because I feel like they're <laughs> they're they're initial reactions, their gut reactions. They don't mean as much. They're they're very. Um, um, this is what would have, we would have done if it had to happen right now, kind of thing. So you're pragmatic, no matter what. That's your that's like your goal is to be as
0: pragmatic as possible, right? For yes, mm-hmm. and
1: and I feel like I achieve it for the most part. But I don't I don't think that that means you have a weaker authority on yourself. I think that if your emotions start to to rule you, but you're still trying to be rational about it, maybe your emotions were just right. Maybe, maybe that because if you still try to take your, your rational thinking into account and you still came up with the same answer as your emotions did, well, maybe that just means that your, your instincts are are good instincts. Well, that's
0: an interesting, that's an interesting way to look at it. I feel like that's, um, I feel like that's the state I would always been if I was immortal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if, if my body is, if, you know, my body wasn't decaying and becoming weaker as time goes on, or, you know, I was essentially, I'm essentially, we're all dying. I think that's the kind of the, what you just described. That would be the ideal state to be in—to have the time to test both the emotional and the rational. Oh, right. Path of choices, right? Because yeah. I feel like there's like a time window on a lot of things in life. So I always hated the the saying, especially growing up, was like, uh, "It's never too late." It's like, yeah, it, it is usually too late. <laughs> it's like you, sh- it's, it's never too late is great if you believe it as a motivator, right? It's like, oh, okay, well then, I'll, you know, if I start tomorrow, then I'm okay. But if you never start you yeah know, or you wait too long to start something it's definitely too late for a lot of things i can't go out and be a,
1: a great basketball player right now you know what i yeah, mean yeah but i think i chop i'll fuck up my body i think if you're trying to repair relationships and things like that um i think that's like what it, it's like it, it's case by case you know it, it doesn't apply overall it doesn't but in in some situations, like I mean, if you you want to reconnect with your fa- a family member, it's it's really never too late until they're past, right? <laughs> yeah, there's always a chance to make that relationship whole again. Oh well, now you're talking about forgiveness. Well, there's well, yeah, but that's part of it. It's never too late, right? It's it's never too late to apologize and to try and make amends. I think. Are that's... you the first? Are you the first to forgive when when? Uh... No, oh dude, I am one of the last people to forgive. I, I have a hard problem with, with with a grudge um once once I get screwed over it's not that you're dead to me it's that I'm never gonna trust you again like you're never gonna have that same level yeah like a weird like there might be because for me like there's levels of trust right there there's there's like you know at the top like I trust you with my life like if I was in a bad situation I'd call you every time and you know at the lowest Part of trust, there's like you're never coming around because I know you're just trouble, and then there's like spaces between that, right? So, mm-hmm. if but if someone like portrays like a high level of trust, there's a good chance we'll never get to that point again. Like you're always going to be in that like, all right. So I know I'm never going to tell you a secret. Like that's cool. Well, like know, now I know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so interesting. In and I, and I'm man. usually not mad about it though either. It's it's more like like I'll be mad in the at the initial. But it's not like the, the continuation is not out of anger. It's just out of protection. You know, it's, it's out of, I don't want you to well, screw no, me I mean, again, so I'm, so I'm done with this part. See, instinctively, like, as animals, it, that makes
0: 100% logical sense. Because, like, I've watched a lot of documentaries on, say, like, apes or monkeys, right, in the wild or in the lab. And when trust is broken, that's it. That that that's it. They they don't that monkey doesn't get to come over and pick the fleas off you anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that bond is is gone. Um, they may still be in in the tribe or you know the community or whatever, but even then, some you know, uh, apes chimps for example are really brutal and they'll excommunicate. I mean, once you're excommunicated as a chimp, that's it. You can't even come near the group, the family, whatever, the community anymore. But with humans, because we we have a more advanced system of morality because morality isn't just about emotions, right? Society, morality affects society in both in economic ways and um, uh, just really everything that we do. So I find that forgiveness, even to something that has been a great wrong, can be really important. So like the example you gave is like, yeah, I get that. Like if you know, if if you're, if a, a trust is, someone really wrongs you, you know, let's say emotionally, are not physical cuz usually it's emotional, right? right. Like, I, like in today's if age. If a friend yeah. punches me,
1: it's like we'll probably get over it, you yeah. know? We'll no, yeah, figure it no. out.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. You're totally yeah. right though. It's like yeah. if,
1: if you if you just like like if I did some shit and you hit me and then like I'd be like, "What the fuck?" would be like, You'd "I would mean, be then, like, there was then, a reason." It's kind of like it's almost like a, an exchange, right? Like you put something
0: off the shelf and then you paid for it. You know what yeah, I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you like fuck with my life, th- that's yeah. that's like Your way character, worse. Yeah. yeah. So, but I take what you said
0: about that, and I agree with it, but then my brain thinks, okay, hmm, well, what about people that are incarcerated, that go to, like, prison for, like, because I've worked with people that have been in prison for 17, or seven. one guy was 17 years, another guy was 13 years, you know, one was attempted murder, one was murder, um, and it's like, they did wrong, but what does what does rehabilitation really mean doesn't it really mean forgiveness because that's what that's mm-hmm. supposed to mean is when you go when you do something wrong and we and society loses its trust in you you go you go to get punished and then that should be that should be it you yeah. should have paid that's your penance right but we don't do that most of the time we don't do that I mean I find myself doing it but I'm not like a saint and it's kind of like situational
1: but most I feel like if you've gone to prison society judges you forever right oh especially like job wise too it's almost impossible to get a job as even if you have anything on your record like like domestic violence or anything like that if you just have like and you didn't go to jail for it either like you just like you know you paid your fine or whatever you did however that works out but like if you did you get still it's hard for those people to get a job well how about this i
0: read a story about a guy who um went to prison he's convicted for rape and murder okay and he, he was really young he was he's still in his like late teens when he did it so when he got out I think he was like 45 or something like that right now he spent his whole life in jail somehow this man turned it around he he, he got married he had children he was presum- and the, the story goes he was a, he was a great father you know he, he uh you know he, he taught like um, you know little League and stuff for his kids and he had you know he had two kids on top of that and a dog and it was like you know the typical american dream like family right Mm -hmm. now presumably they didn't address it in the article and i wish they had but presumably his wife not his kids probably but at least his wife knew about his past right so that's interesting to me that she forgave him for for society right through her through his union with that woman were they at least through that story were able to accept him but he did something heinous right Mm -hmm. i mean that is to me that's The only thing worse than that really for me is like pedophilia or something, you know, and I, and I, I, the reason why that rumbles in my head, it's because it, I wonder if it can teach me to forgive and if that level of forgiveness is good, right? Because that's what religion, religion teaches you that, right? Like, especially I grew up like Orthodox Christianity. And that's like the if I could pick one lesson that was drilled home over and over and over again was forgiveness. Forgive those that trespass against you, you know, no matter how no matter how vain or um, uh, not vain, but um, how, you know, terrible, how vehement their 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 crime was against you. You must learn to forgive them. And I have to admit, like it sits with me. It does sit with me as as being a really good, positive thing. If I had to pick the best thing about religion, I think
1: it would be the uh the the moral of forgiveness yeah yeah and they're so accepting too in most cases of like you know any church Um, they just want they just want you in they want you in their club (laughs) yeah i mean um but when it comes to like criminals i mean i i don't judge them any harsher i don't think Well, actually i probably would i would probably like give them like, uh, I, would, uh, I would already be more standoffish if I knew someone was a criminal, like, had been tried and, like, convicted and all that stuff. Mm. Just be, I would just be apprehensive is all I mean, really. I'd be like, sure. all right, uh, is it okay? But I wouldn't, like, you know, just write them right off, you know. I would I would, <laughs> I would wait for them to wrong me somehow, right, until I, like. Yeah, that's true. I, I,
0: I find them the same way. You, you really have to wrong me personally. Like, I don't like judging people people through others that's why like i know i have some family members even one or two close friends that are you know they don't like it that i'm just not automatically on their side about hating someone for example yeah you know like an ex or something it's like well dude you know i can't we don't have brain transfer yet like until you (laughs) give me those memories and it upsets me then i feel like i've been hurt then i i can't agree with you right you know yeah no it's it's really interesting and i think that um well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, um, I guess, forgiveness lately. I've been um, seeking spirituality. Uh, you know, I go through like these phases of like a uh, uh, desire for more spirituality in my life. And when I say spirituality, I don't, I don't really mean anything metaphysical because I don't believe in the metaphysical. You know, because I'm just a hard evidence kind of person. But what I mean is like a connection to the world and the universe like to just what's around me right that to me is what really spirituality is it's like your connection to what is what is existence you know what i mean
1: and what do you what do you mean by strengthening that connection like feeling like you belong or what? well yeah
0: i mean here's the thing so like i get there's a there's a really good argument i've heard people make about um leaving religion or becoming an atheist right or an ag- or even a, an agnostic um, is that you lose you lose your spirituality and I, I I understand that I think that is very true it's like um one thing i I really disagree even though like I, I consider myself an atheist or agnostic I really disagree with like atheist speakers who, just want to rip you out of that existence They just want they want you to just come right out of they're just going to shit all over religion they're going to say you know only the bad things about it they're not going to give it any credit and they just want you to just you know not want not walk but run away from whatever it is that your religion is right you know and it's usually it's one of the you know the major three christianities right that's usually one attack <laughs> yeah because i mean who attacks buddhism right i mean it's like ah, they're all right you know what i mean yeah, they kind right. of get past, but um but especially if you're like Muslim or, you know, Orthodox or Catholic or Jewish, they get attacked a lot. But the mistake that these speakers, these atheists make, and they're usually really intelligent people, is that they offer nothing in exchange. They only offer the cold logic of science and the universe. And there is beauty and poetry to find in that, but it's—it's it's definitely... It's definitely a new journey and and if you don't have guidance which is what religion provides it it provides a guidance towards spirituality right it might be woo woo it might be totally over the top and some people are cool with that some people even find it fun I get that as well and I think that's a mistake that's a big mistake to uh, I I even believe my conspiracy is that we, we suffer from that now I think a lot of I think the country has become in the United States has become more secular in like the last 20 years from my view of it through media let's say Um, and I think it's actually hurting us. I, I really, I, I deep down, even as an atheist, I selfishly believe that more religious people make a better society or can than a secular one, because the secular ones seem like they're just always. Well, it's like the
1: the emotional versus the machine, right? Yeah, it's like if you have no emotion, then you just do, and you only do the the hard cold logic. Yeah, then it's like it, it. It's not um. It's not compassionate right it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't have any sense of like okay if this happened to me how would i feel kind of thing like what would i want right how do we how do compassion yeah, in that yeah. yeah that's a good question where
0: is yeah, where is compassion in nature there there isn't any and it's like that's a that's a pretty scary notion you know what i mean like that that, that i can well, there's, see there's why
1: compassion in nature in the sense of like other animals treating other them the, the people will or things uh, other an- treating animals sorry animals treating other animals as like um ways to to help them out right so like if you see a a monkey will help another monkey out with a banana right they'll share they'll exchange they'll like help them heal from a major injury things like that mm. so like they they and by help i mean like they'll they'll be able to not comfort them yeah be near them for safety yeah things like that yeah yeah they they don't like just like discard the ones that have been injured and things like that because they're still going to be useful in the in the future it's just that right now they're they're damaged you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. you just gotta wait and eventually they'll be better but maybe that's yeah talking about like um taking religion away and then not offering anything in replace of it that's kind of like what frederick Nietzsche talks about Mm -hmm. right and god is dead and we killed him right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then like uh politics and things like that become the new religion yeah because they've become the new um driving factors in your life and then he goes on to say how they're like the guidance aspect and things like that too and how we won't have any morality in that sense because there will be no no fear how
0: do you have morality if you don't have any fear I mean, like a like a deep fear, like the uh, the fear of God, as it said. You know what I mean? Like that your that your soul is at risk. I think that's what's really missing. That's a big factor that's missing is that when I was I you know I was very little when I lost my religion, my belief in it, mm. and that's I think better or safer than someone who becomes like an adult and then loses their belief in religion because that fear, like that's one thing I wish I kind of had. I guess that's what a part of my my search for spirituality you know is that i had a real fear for my for my soul and i mean that as metaphorically i don't mean that as like you know, i believe i have a, a ghost in me or something but that but just that concept is important i think to to the mind mm. you know what i mean to keep you honest to keep you um to keep you in a proper level of response to fear you know even though if that one's kind of generated i guess
1: yeah but i don't, I, I don't think you need the like the fear of what will happen to you in the afterlife to be able to be a good person. I mean I think there's plenty of people who don't necessarily believe or know what's going to happen to Oh no no no. no. I agree, them. but what I mean is like that same level of fear is useful and important to um the structure of a moral like a, a truly moral. Oh, I guess yeah, I, I guess it's useful, but mm. I don't think it's the only path. I think just even a selfish path of if i do good things good things will happen to me because i'm only presenting in my in my circle of like effect a good thing so only good things can happen back i mean that's kind of like why i do good things is because i expect that a good thing will happen to me in return if not to me then to someone else that i did so if i did something right I have a sphere, of, a sphere of influence around me, right, a bubble, if you will. And every person has their own sphere of influence in their bubble. So if I affect that person, they affect someone else. And eventually, if it doesn't even come back to me, it's at least making it easier for someone else, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why I one of the reasons I do good things. Also, I was just taught to be a good person by my mother and father, and that you know those morals and and beliefs are kind of ingrained into me. But like. The way I rationalize why do I do good things is because I want good things to happen to me, <laughs> you know if I'm always helping people out, always doing the extra mile, I'm the one that's gonna get the promotion I'm the one that's they're they're gonna look at because I'm the one that's most present in the mind in a positive way mm. I guess that's uh that's the the least it's i
0: don't know it's like inherently good, but it sounds like the least offensive way to live and, and, and you do generate goodness for others so it is moral you know my grandmother helped raise me and one thing she always said was um and she still says it to this day is uh do a good deed every day doesn't matter what it is I don't know why but that really stuck with me ever since I was a kid when she told me that it just felt like I think it sounds like a challenge too, yeah it right? sounds like a challenge and I and I like challenges so i I still do that to this day like every day i do something even if you know what's cool is it doesn't have to be a big thing every Mm -hmm. now and then it is but usually it's just something really small it's like holding a door for someone you know or or maybe maybe like a step up from that you know like uh a compliment to someone that needs it or a little bit of extra help to someone that needs it and i don't mean like money but i mean like you know like giving a hand that kind of Mm -hmm. shit you know um and I don't know Maybe what you said Made me think of that Do you think that's I think that's a good thing
1: If everybody did that Wouldn't the world Be a better place If we t- Just tried to do good To help if everybody just tried To do one good deed Every oh. day Oh yeah. yeah I mean cause then It's compounded right It's like If everyone's doing At least one good thing It has to be You know It has to spread you know, Just because of the I don't know The nature of it right I don't really know why I think that way Maybe it's cause of Like the idea of karma Right but i don't know i feel i just feel like if you put good things out not it's not that only good things will happen to you but it's more likely good things will happen to you cuz you're in a better mood you're more open to those things you know you're you're just more accepting of positivity when you yourself are trying to be positive i agree